Welcome to Fick Focus, where Bloomberg Intelligence fixed income, credit currency, and commodity strategists and analysts discuss their short and long-term views on debt markets and issuers. Now, here's the Bloomberg Intelligence Fick Research Team. Welcome to the Fick Focus Podcast, Macro Matters Edition. I'm Ira Jersey, the Chief U.S. Interest Rate Strategist for Bloomberg Intelligence, the research arm of Bloomberg LP. With me today is Angela Monolatos, who covers Can- Canadian rates as well as uh, helps me in the U.S. We'll be talking about the Federal Reserve and what we expect to come, given that when we are recording this on the 28th of April, 2022, the Federal Reserve is six days away from making an announcement about interest rate hikes, presumably, as well as a potential runoff of their balance sheet. So maybe I'll just talk a little bit today about our expectations uh, for what the Fed is going to do next week and then maybe in future weeks because there has been a lot of uncertainty and a lot of moving pieces around that and certainly markets are uh, are moving around quite dramatically based on various comments from Fed officials. So first let's talk about the May 4th meeting. We do think that on uh, on that Star Wars day um, may the 4th be with you, that the Federal Reserve will hike interest rates uh, 50 basis points and then uh, also announce runoff of the balance sheet. Um, The the timing of when the actual runoff will start, um, it could start in May, uh, but more likely they'll announce it in uh, uh, in May and then start in June. Uh, So the first maturities would be uh, maybe a couple of T-bills early in the month, but generally speaking, it's the maturities on the 15th of June um, that will be uh, the first effect and where you'll see a significant uh, um, significant lack of of the Federal Reserve reinvesting some of their bonds. Uh, We do think that they'll start to ramp up. So they'll start at a $20 billion pace of runoff. So that will be the cap. Uh, Anything above $20 billion in June will be uh, reinvested back into the Treasury market. Um, Then in July, up to $40. And then finally, the the cap will max out at $60 billion per month. you know, interestingly, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when when we get Angelo on, but uh, the Federal Reserve this time versus the last time they were doing runoff is looking to basically make the $60 billion both a cap and a floor. So $60 billion of the balance sheet will run off. Most of that will probably come from reserves um, because uh, because money market funds and others will find it uh, continue to find it um, beneficial just to to park money at the Fed's reverse repo facility. So whereas initially we had thought that that there would be a reasonably high beta where the re- reverse repo facility would actually see a reduction in their um, uh, a reduction in use of the RRP facility, uh, we're less convinced of that now, uh, particularly because of the, the spread between T-bills and other alternatives that money market mutual funds can invest in and the RRP rate. Um, and, and so staying on the RRP for a moment, if we're correct and the Fed increases uh, the policy rate by 50 basis points, it's very possible that you could see upwards of $2 trillion in the reverse repo facility just because uh, people will be incentivized to u- utilize that facility to make a little bit of extra money. Now, there are limits to how high it can get just because there are counterparty limits and um, 
that both uh, two-way seven funds can have and that the Federal Reserve places on the RP facility. Um, but but there still is a bit more capacity. Um, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a $2 trillion print maybe at the end of June or, or the end of May after the Fed increases that that interest rate. Um, so beyond May, what, what is, uh, you know, what is going to be the path of rates? So we've been talking about that for quite a long time. Um, I think one of the um, one of the issues that we're having right now is that you you do see um, some portions of the economy on a real basis be relatively slow, but nominal growth continues to be very high. And as long as that nominal growth rate is high and inflation remains well above the Federal Reserve's uh, target, um, even if it starts to come down a little bit, we still think that the Fed will be reasonably aggressive in their hikes. So a string of 50 basis point hikes in, in May, June, and, and July, um, the late July meeting, is very likely at this point. Um, you, you know, there was talk briefly because you had James Bullard and and one or two other members suggest that a 75 basis point interest rate increase at any one meeting was not impossible. Um, I, I suspect that they would rather be a little bit more cautious than that and just go 50 basis points per meeting. So then the question is, if if we're right and they're going to be uh, a string of of two or three 50 basis point hikes, what then happens the second half of the year? will wind up being very important to uh, to kind of calibrate where the terminal rate goes. Um, the, uh, the the September meeting is, uh, um, you know, we have penciled in a 25 basis point hike and then a 25 in, in November and, and also in December. The, the challenge, though, is that we obviously incoming data will matter quite a lot to whether or not the Federal Reserve goes more. And um, so, so in our base case scenario, we actually do have a string of 25 basis point hikes after after the Federal Reserve gets to around 2 percent in the federal funds rate, but then um, stops somewhere um, around 3%, maybe a little bit higher than 3%. Interestingly, at that 3% level, if the Federal Reserve were to hike to 3% and then stop and and the market starts to price for a couple of cuts in early 2024, the two-year yield is actually not too far away from fair value. So somewhere upwards of around uh, 270 uh, to 275 would be fair value in that scenario where you get a 3% terminal rate for call it a year and then you have a reduction in um, in the policy rate a little bit as as growth and inflation slows in 2024. So in, in this environment, we, we have to be kind of cautious about how flat yield curves can then get. So um, we do think that we'll probably bear flatten the yield curve a little bit more where twos, tens get to about zero. Um, but then the, um, but, but ultimately we might actually uh, we might actually bull flatten the yield curve a little bit and you've seen a few days of that now and again where long-term interest rates started to go down as equity markets uh, kind of swooned a little bit and and had some weakness um, and as that occurs um, you know you, you could probably think that we're getting toward the end of uh, of the flattening cycle but I do think that we'll we'll still I don't know if we'll re- necessarily revisit the lows but I wouldn't be surprised at all if we if we wound up with an inverted twos tens yield curve at some point in the not too distant future and then finally I think it's worth mentioning um, one other piece of, of news that's going to come out on May the 4th at 8.30 in the morning, the Treasury Department will issue its refunding announcement and uh, um, in, in our, our refunding primer will be what uh, will be available on the terminal at, at our, uh, you could just look it up on my bio on uh, on the Bloomberg terminal. And our view is, is that at this point, given that it's very clear that the Federal Reserve is going to start runoff of the balance sheet, that the Treasury Department will probably uh, maintain the current level 
level of issuance uh, of Treasury coupons for the foreseeable future. Uh, keep in mind, people might think that, oh, well, the Treasury Department is going to have to increase the amount of bonds that it's going to issue to the market because of the runoff of the balance sheet. But when you do all the calculations behind that, you realize that the the net debt growth right now is still significantly higher than, than what the deficits are projected to be over the next couple of years. So Andrew Husby and Anna Wong from our um, from our economics team just put out their own forecast for what the budget deficits will be the next couple of years. And when you plug those into our model, assuming that they're anywhere close to being realized, the Treasury Department, even at current levels of funding, will be very well funded, even with the Fed runoff. So, um, so we do think that that that'll stabilize. And then sometime uh, later this year or early next year, we do think that the Treasury Department will start to increase the amount of T bills outstanding, um, because one of the big reasons for this uh, this very strong usage of the reverse repo facility is just the fact that money market mutual funds, which have four trillion dollars um, that they have to find a home for. Um, there's just not enough T-bills around in order to um, uh, in order for them to to um, to make up all of that. Plus, there's other demand for T-bills from the likes of corporate treasurers and um, and and overseas investors who need to have some dollar safe dollar assets without a lot of duration. So so T-bill demand is just much much stronger right now than the amount of supply that's outstanding. So I think eventually the Treasury Department will increase uh, bill supply, and that probably won't increase. Uh, rates much versus uh, versus say the uh, reverse repo facility uh, level. Um, at some point, the uh, the treasury, uh, the, the Federal Reserve might decide that it's going to decrease the um, uh, the RP facility rate, maybe to the lower end of the band, and then maybe below the lower end of the policy band. And when they do that, then maybe you will wind up seeing um, maybe T bill. Uh, rates uh, even go a little bit lower just because you have people m moving out of the um, RP facility and into the and into T bills, but you would see usage of the RP facility go down just uh, just a little bit. Um, so, so with that, I, I want to focus a little bit on one um, uh, on on one other market, and that's uh, the Canadian uh, market because obviously the the two economies and the two rates markets are very highly correlated. But the, the Bank of Canada has kind of been leading the Fed a, a little bit in terms. Of, of its policy tightening. So I'm going to go to Angelo Monolatos now and, and ask, say, Angelo, you, you know, what do you see from the uh, the Bank of Canada? They have a meeting coming up in the near future. Um, you know, what statements have you heard from them, and what's your expectation of where uh, wh where the Canadian policy rate is going to go? Hey, Ira, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so the Bank of Canada has already hiked uh, tw uh, on two different meetings this year: a 25 basis point hike and a 50 basis point hike. So if all goes as planned. Uh, next week for the U.S. That's exactly what the U.S. will have done as well. The next meeting is June 1st. Uh, we expect another 50 basis point hike at that meeting. Uh, the governor talked down a uh, 75 basis point hike uh, recently, um, but the, the last inflation print in March uh, was pretty eye-watering. It was very high. Uh, it was uh, very uh, broad-based. I have an equal-weighted uh, CPI index that I use. Uh, Canada is known for having a ton of core CPI indices. They always seem to create new ones, uh, but I, I have my own uh, that's showing multi-decade high inflation and multi-decade high breadth of inflation. So, And with their single mandate, they're clearly trying to get that under control. Um, what that means in the near term. So as I said, I expect another 50 in June. I don't, and uh, their governor has been very clear that they're still far from their what they consider their neutral range but he's also said that they would kind of like to slow down 
when they do get to that uh, closer or within that neutral range, which is between two to three percent. However, that could be wishful thinking given the inflation outlook. So the Bank of Canada has a 2% inflation target with a 1% to 3% flexible range. Uh, but through the end of this year, they're going to still be well above their 3% flexible range, well above 4% even probably through December. So we do. Uh, it's not unreasonable to think that there could be two, maybe three uh, more 50 basis point hikes followed by some 25s and even get into a more quote unquote, restrictive policy territories that's above 3%, uh, maybe a, like a James Buller type scenario uh, in order to just try to be as forceful as possible and uh, get uh, demand and supply in line. Yeah, and I think, Angelo, you bring up something that's also a risk for probably for most central banks right now around the world, particularly those that are um, the North American central banks. Um, and and that, that is that what happens to kind of toward year end if we still have year over year inflation prints that are well above, say, 4%, does do central banks, you know, hint that they're going to keep going and not be at, you know, two and a half, three percent You know, if you look at the Fed's dots right now, they're talking about three-ish percent plus or minus 50 basis points in terms of um, of where they think policy rates are going to be and kind of top out in in uh, in the, the medium term. Um, but, you know, there's certainly the risk, and I think this is the higher risk than the other way, and that's that you wind up having more persistent, say, 4-ish percent inflation, and central banks will need to hike interest rates toward 4% to get somewhere near their estimate of neutral real rates. Um, and when you get, and, and if we were to get to, say, 4% in terms of policy rates, that's when I think you really could see a very significant um, uh, very significant inversion of the yield curve and the market pricing really for a recession. Because we have to remember that that forward markets right now, when you look at the um, the yield curve, even the Federal Reserve, and we put this in our, our preview for next week's meeting, even when you look at the Fed's preferred measure of um, of the yield curve, um, it it is everything is in recession territory by the middle of 2020, uh, 2023. So so the, the the possibility that you could get a seriously inverted curve, particularly if the Federal Reserve were to hike to three and a half or four percent, as a few members of the Fed think that we'll have to do, and and it's not out of the question that they could wind up getting there eventually. Like that that is a a realistic. Uh, realistic possibility um, that that's when you can wind up seeing yield curves invert 40 or 50 basis points, similar to what uh, occurred during in the 1990s. Um, but fighting inflation is certainly the name of the game right now because you, you look at the GDP numbers for the first quarter, um, you had negative real GDP, but you had 8% uh, price uh, deflator increase. So if that price deflator increase had been, say, 2%, then you would have had a positive real GDP. But because prices are such a large portion of uh, um, of of nominal GDP right now um, the the uh, you know trying to keep price pressures under control will wind up still being um, a big uh, a big factor um, so so thanks for that Angela let's talk very little bit let's go to our fun fed fact segment here and one of the things that I mentioned was that the 60 billion dollar treasury runoff cap is also a floor um, which and and the way that the Federal Reserve will get to that cap is um, two of three months every quarter, uh, there's not enough coupon treasuries maturing on their balance sheet to reach that $60 billion cap. So the Fed will then allow 
T-bills to uh, to run off during those months in order to to get up to that sixty billion dollars, and 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 we can calculate that now because we know how much how many you know one-year notes and and eighteen-month notes and stuff like that that the Federal Reserve currently has. So 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 what does that mean for T-bills? How quickly do T-bills run off of the Fed's balance sheet given this uh, kind of cap floor uh, of sixty billion dollars, Angela? Yeah, so if you look at just, just Treasury coupons alone, uh, if, uh, after we ramp up to the full $60 billion pace, uh, the average uh, through 2024 is around $50 billion a month. So that means uh, T-bills will have to plug that gap at around $10 billion a month. Um, it starts off relatively um, relatively slow, but then we'll, at, through the end of 2023, we'll get to around $110 billion of treasury bill runoff from the Fed's SOMA portfolio. And then through the end of 2024, and this is cumulative terms, we get through 261, 262-ish billion. Um, so they still, after that point, they'll still have around uh, uh, 65-ish billion of treasury bills, but uh, a majority of the portfolio will, will, will run off um, given the Fed's current guidance if they don't even increase the caps, which uh, could could potentially happen given the, those uh, inflation uh, risks that you were highlighting earlier. Yeah, I think from a market function perspective, it's it's unlikely that the Fed will um, will lift the caps very much from from where they are now. Um, but but you know, importantly, and I think that that you know, you're you're. Sp- it's an interesting fact that you have about a third of the Fed's portfolio of T-bills runs off over the next uh, over the next 18 months, assuming that they start again in, in June with their with their runoff. Um, but then, basically, by the end of by the end of 2024, you would wind up getting um, you know almost all of the T-bill portfolio would run off, and I think that that's a uh, an important. Uh, an important notation because if they were to continue to run off the Fed's their own balance sheet by you know after 2024, which obviously it's a very long time away, and there's a lot of reasons why they might stop uh, balance sheet runoff before then, including the potential for a recession, as we've been highlighting for quite some time, is the um, uh, is the fact that that after that they won't have be able to get to that 60 billion dollar cap in any particular month without actually selling securities outright. Which is something that I still think that they'd be very reluctant to do um, over time. Um, so that's great. We're we're nearing time here. You know, this was a very meta uh, meta show. Next week we'll have Anna Wong on, our chief U.S. economist, who uh, we will discuss the Federal Reserve's meeting on Wednesday, as well as a little bit about refunding. Um, Angela will be off. I'm giving him a little bit of time to recuperate because we've been quite busy over the the course of this year. Um, so let us know if you have any uh, any ideas for topics or questions or guests you'd like us to have on the Macro Matters edition of the FIC Focus podcast. On behalf of Angelo Monolatos, I've been Ira Jersey, and we appreciate you listening. Until next time, be well.